I watched my dad go to work every day. My assumption in life was everyone had their own company. So I never had that level of fear to start. I just sort of assumed this was the way of the world. Everyone starts. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Before we jump into today's interview, if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well, that would be a huge help to the podcast. So if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it, please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. All right, everyone. Today we have a special friend of mine. Her name is Sophia Parsa, and she's the founder of Toot. And she recently became part of the Forbes 30 Under 30 Under Education. And she's also the founder of Mountain Gate, which I'll let her speak to as well. Sophia, how's it going? Hey, Eric. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. So why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? That's a good question. <laughs> yeah. So I think that who I am. I, I have two sort of passions, things that I've really focused on right now. For me, this year is all about education and community building. So who I am is young founder, born and raised in Los Angeles, met an awesome co-founder who really inspired me to give my ed tech startup full force and just go at it. And at the same time, accidentally sort of started this beautiful community just by getting a couple people around for dinner once a month. And I think what has happened for both of these things this year has just been super amazing. And I'm excited to start off with, you know, the Forbes 30 under 30. And we're just off to a good start on both sides. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. So I, I think a lot of people, you know, uh, young entrepreneurs, especially young women entrepreneurs too, are, are probably thinking, well, how do you know, I want to have an ed tech startup or a tech startup, and I want to be under the Forbes under 32. So talk to us first about, you know, what was the impetus for that, where you're at with that today, and then we can jump into the Forbes 30 under 30. Sure. I'm very lucky. I was raised in a very entrepreneurial family. I watched my dad go to work every day. My assumption in life was everyone had their own company. So I never had that level of fear to start. I just sort of assumed this was the way of the world. Everyone starts. Um, so in college, I actually started my first ed company. Um, it was a digital signage company. And I ran into an issue the night before my finance final, my tutor's wife went into labor and I was stuck, needed to meet with someone Finally, my professor had connected me with a student on campus. And that was sort of the aha moment of Toot, where I was just like, interesting that we're all here on this campus together. We have no way to connect. We have no idea who's around us who can help us. And this guy was on campus all along and he ended up coming over and helping me. I passed the final. Um, I was still working on my last company and it really took meeting my co-founder that next step. Um, you know, I'm very honest with myself. I know what I'm good at. I know what I'm bad at. I'm not technical. You know, I'm, I'm co-founder and CEO of the company. I do have a CTO of Toot. And, um, you know, he, he really inspired me to start just given his background. I mean, he was someone who, based on his religion, well, actually even his parents' religion, not even his own beliefs, uh, he was denied access to higher education. So he couldn't go to college. He couldn't start a business. And he fled the country, came over to the US and did exactly that. You know, wanted to start an education company, self-taught developer. And I just knew this was my chance and that if I were going to start this company with anyone, it needed to be with him. So that's the evolution of Toot. Toot is a marketplace that connects students to tutors in their area. 
via a mobile app. But most recently, we're actually launching a text messaging service um, that connects students to tutors for academic assistance and homework support. Uh, it's on a monthly subscription. Students can just text us at any moment when they have a question they don't understand, and they'll be connected to a tutor that can help them understand that process. And the most exciting thing about this platform is we are now giving schools access to real life data of, on their students to understand, you know, where can curriculum be optimized. And one of the biggest issues right now in education is, you know, tutoring is is a big issue, but the bigger issue to solve here is the education system and the you know, fact is, is that tutors know what happens with school, with the students outside of the classroom. The schools don't. So, you know, I'm just excited about being able to provide that information. And how are you growing Toot right now? How are you getting more customers? How are people finding out about it? And word of mouth is really powerful. I have to say, it's like, you know, it's been, we started off with an incredible ambassador team. We had a hundred ambassadors. These were students in Los Angeles who were marketing us. Uh, Instagram has been really powerful for us, actually. You know, a lot of students are, of course, on Instagram. Our demographic is heavily on there. And most importantly, I think is, you know, this new product is text messaging. And this isn't a behavior that students aren't aware of. They're so connected right now and so tapped in. It, it's just been a really easy thing for people to explain, like just text this number and and you'll get connected. So I'd say a mix of, you know, word of mouth and Instagram has been really the key for us. Awesome. And then you talked about Instagram. So a lot of the, the marketers that listen to this are probably licking their chops. So what, what's going on exactly in Instagram? Yeah. So we did a quick, you know, we had a, before we decided to build the texting service, we built a really small beta. We put up a $25 Instagram ad. It was very general. It was just like, you know, students between the age of 13 and 21 uh, in the US, you know, we got about a thousand questions due to it. And and I think what was interesting was we used a very, it was a GIF, right? The ad was a GIF and it was just messages back and forth between student and tutor. Very obvious how to use it. Like there was nothing that you, you just looked at it and you knew what this product was, right? Um, so it was a really successful campaign. And I have to say that we didn't think much of it. We just sort of, you know, I'm not a marketer. I, I just, <laughs> I'm sort of an idea person. And, and I said, well, let's try this. And, and it worked out. Awesome. And then this GIF, this is, I, I know with Instagram, you're not able to post GIFs natively, right? You're probably using like a video. It's a video. Got right. it. Got it. Okay. And just for everyone, I mean, for as of this recording, I think Facebook just came out with the ability to actually do GIFs as ads nowadays. So actually, Sophia, you can probably take advantage of that later, but I uh, just want to make everyone aware of that. So the other thing I wanted to talk about, you mentioned word of mouth, and I think this is something that you're really, really good at. You know, you're really good at throwing events. You're good at staying connected with uh, with everyone. So talk to us about Mountain Gate and kind of how you're so connected, first of all. Well, for starters, I just love my city. Like, I love LA. I think that there's so much opportunity over here, so many different industries. I think most people don't realize that there is something really fascinating happening with tech here. I mean, we have SpaceX, we have Snapchat. These are the hubs for those companies. And you can't deny that they're some of the most leading tech companies today, right? So I want to be first to really discover that hub. Um, you know, accidentally, I, I hosted one dinner for just a couple of friends who are founders. I wanted to meet more people who were sort of heads down and, and um, you know, working on their own business, forward thinking, creative. Doesn't have to be a tech entrepreneur. Could be also just a very creative artist. And I want to bring these people to dinner and not just to network, right? Like there needs to be a purpose for every meeting, I believe. 
Um, so, you know, we decided to put a topic of discussion for each event. So for example, last month we did one in space and we had some most incredible people from all the big space companies in California come and join us and speak on this panel. Yeah. So after this one dinner, you know, I just, I decided to stay very committed to continuing to throw these dinners around discussion because, you know, what was supposed to be a 20 person dinner ended up being a 60 person dinner. The most incredible thing about the community is what happens afterwards. So people are connecting through a private group. They are sharing advice, support, connections. I've seen investment come out of it. I've seen partnerships. I've seen even (laughs) roommates and incredible friendships come from this. So um, definitely, you know, people are finding jobs through it. And the purpose of it to me is like help bring LA as a community forward. And as I said earlier, I am from LA. I I really believe in the ecosystem here. And I want to be one of the first, you know, to really gather us together and move us forward together. Because to me, you know, typically events are either full tech or full creative. And we don't really see that, that in between where it's a hybrid of the both. And I think that's where the magic happens when you're bringing these technical people together with such artists and creative people. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. It's super powerful when you're able to just connect people. I mean, I've been, you know, sometimes I'll go to conferences and I'll just, you know, have dinners with, with like-minded people and just, you know, it doesn't have to just be entrepreneurs. It doesn't have to be creative people. It can just be uh, anyone that's, that's, that's really like-minded. So I, I look at things, um, you know, your, your boyfriend has, has thrown those dinners too. Everyone has like these different ways of throwing them. So like some cases, like they'll host it at their place and then like, boom, they'll cook. And then in some other cases, you know, a bunch of people will just meet up, but then just bringing people together and then you doing it on a larger scale um, is, is super powerful. So there's this one PDF actually that's out there that you guys can all go out there and download. Just search Google and type in mastermind dinners. And there's literally a checklist out there that you can pick off of um, if you want to do something like this. And even if you're just starting out, you're not, let's say you're you're an entrepreneur, but um, you know, you're looking to get a business started, you can get like-minded people together and you guys can have these little mastermind meetings and you can make them into you know bigger events or you can keep it small and intimate doesn't really matter. But um, I guess a question for you would be in terms of during an event with 60 plus people, you know, people, if people want to start doing that, what are some things to look out for? What are some mistakes to avoid? Yeah. Well, I think the, the biggest mistake is not ordering enough food from me. <laughs> so, you know, same problem. It's just kind of like, know how many people, I think it's important to have a cap, you know, because I'm running to and Mountain Gate sort of happened ac- accidentally. I don't pay attention to like the detailed details of Mountain Gate all the time. And so sometimes I wake up day of event and I've got like 40 people who've purchased a ticket. And I'm just like, oh, yesterday, you know, <laughs> we were preparing for this many people. And today we have this many people. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, you know, to make sure that everyone feels included. Oftentimes people coming to these types of events are they're trying it for the first time. They're being sort of brave. They're putting themselves out there. They've probably never heard of the event yet, right? If, especially if you're starting out new. And it's important for people to feel like they're really a part of something meaningful and that their contribution to it is impactful. Um, so yeah, I would say, you know, a sense of inclusion, keeping in mind like the types of people that are in the room, figuring out how you can be helpful to those people. As someone who hosts these dinners, you know, I've become this sort of connector and and I'm expected to do so. So it's, it's something that I have to remind myself all the time, you know, oh, you just met this person. Make sure you introduce them to that person, seating them in the proper place and, and make sure, making sure that it's organic, of course, always. But at the same time, everyone is there with some sort of purpose, right? And to figure out how you can be helpful with everyone and run a smooth event at the same time. 
Cool. And so for these events, I mean, you know, what what's the typical ticket price and how much are you, what do expenses typically look like for you? Well, right now the expenses are high because I'm paying myself back for a lot of things that I purchased. <laughs> like, uh, you know, I host these in my backyard. So venue is zero, right? I'm, I'm lucky. I have an amazing backyard. I host this at my family home. So um, that's off. You check that mark off, right? Food is expensive only because my mom actually cooks for these dinners, um, for our 60 to 90 people dinners. And she's very particular <laughs> about her produce and where she purchases things. And so right now I wouldn't say that there is much of a profit and we actually donate the remainder of the money to a nonprofit each night. Uh, but I'm looking at different ways outside of just the ticket to sort of monetize this. But right now the focus is really build an organic and great community, not so much make this a business. Yeah. And that's the ultimate thing. I think, you know, with, with these events, I mean, you know, hear from people mostly like most of them lose money, but it's actually, if you're breaking even, like that's great because like you mentioned, you're ultimately looking to build a community of people and these relationships last for a long time. And that pays for itself, itself many times over. Right. 100%. I mean, most of, I, I can't even think of a favor right now that I would need or, or a connection that I need to make that I couldn't reach out to one of the 600 people who have attended our dinners before. Right. So, I mean, that's just amazing on its own. Yeah. You know, people think, you know, these things, it's like, Oh, you know, events cost so much money, such a headache to put together. But at the end of the day, you know, you are the connector, you are basically the center that you you made this all happen. So I think that pays for itself. You know, we're talking many years over, not, not even just a few years, we're talking, you know, 10, 20, plus years. Um, th- that's the level of impact that I'm seeing from these things. And that's the research I've done from it. But anyway, so, so for two, you know, tell me what's, tell me what's next, you know, what's the goal in the next year or two? So we're working on our, uh, B2B model right now. So cur- currently as it stands, it's very consumer facing and we really want to tap into, you know, partnering up with schools. So working on that a lot, uh, you know, hopefully raising another round in the next couple of months, uh, for expansion reasons, and I mean, ultimately, like my goal is to create access to education and we will pivot and we will continue to reiterate so that, you know, if eventually people like my co-founder who are on the other side of the world, who were denied access to things like education, don't ever have to fear going into their classroom because they might get arrested. Right. Like to me, that's still astonishing. It's a crazy fact uh, about what's happening around the world. And I think most people don't know about it. So as long as you know the right tech is being built, people like my co-founder won't have to be afraid to, to get an education. And that's my goal. Whether that I'm touching one life or thousands of lives, like I, I'm happy. <laughs> Love it. Okay. So this question is typically tailored over to, to people or to 25-year-olds. And I don't even think you're 25 yet, are you? I am. I'm turning 26 next month. <laughs> okay. Here, here's, here, so I'm going to retailer the question. What's one piece of advice you'd give to your 20-year-old self? Oh... My 20-year-old self, probably not to believe everything you hear. What's the story behind that? I have had plenty of co-founders and I think I got, and, and people that I've worked with over time. And I think at face value, I got so excited about the meeting, about what they said they would bring to the table and later realizing that but nothing has really been brought except for a waste of time or energy, right? Um, that could have been placed elsewhere. So I think it's really like before getting too excited, really figuring out like, is this the right person you want to work with? Do a little bit of due diligence, things that I just didn't think about. I, you know, as a naive 20 year old starting their first or second company, but really this was like the first company that I felt truly passionate about and excited about. I, ta- I, I forgot that these are human beings and not everyone 
can do the things they say, right? So. And what's one new tool that you've added in the last year that's added a lot of value? So it can be like an Evernote, could be like a Google Analytics or whatever. Can it be Mountain Gate? Could be Mountain Gate. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I'm going to challenge you on that one because we talked about Mountain Gate so much. Give me another one. Okay. <laughs> I really think it's it though. Um, outside of that, um, you know, we, we actually build all our own. I like we, all the tools that I use are things that we've built internally. So like the thing that I'm glued to is like our admin panel. I mean, it's the thing that makes our business move every day. So that's a tool that's really important to me. And then outside of that, funny enough is Facebook messenger. (laughs) Really explain. Yeah. So, um, you know, a lot of the times when we're looking for things like tutors, we're trying to fill some supply. We're um, looking for ambassadors. Often it's it's coming from Facebook. It's from posting on Facebook and, and communicating there. So, and also, you know, my co-founder and my team, we use Facebook to communicate. We don't even use Slack. Um, so <laughs> it's those things that, you know, we're, we're sort of glued to and it works for us. So. And Facebook is coming out with a Slack, uh, well, a Slack competitor. I don't know if it's out yet. I don't think it's out yet, but that, that's interesting. Yeah, the thing I've noticed in the last year or so, last 365 days, is there's a lot more p- people pushing Facebook Messenger. I find myself being forced to it. Um, so I, I guess that's just what's happening, and that's the behavior of people. So super interesting. So one other question: What's one big change you made in the last year that's impacted you or your business in a big way besides Fountain Gate? <laughs> How did you know I was going to go there? (laughs) A big change was learning how to say no. You know, I'm someone who so much opportunity comes my way more recently than ever because of Mountain Gate, because of two, because of Forbes. And it's really difficult for me to not want to do all these things at the same time. Like I'm only one person. (laughs) And so managing my time has become more and more important to me every day and having the courage to say no in the, in a way that, you know, isn't a flat out no, but Hey, no, I can't do this, but here's someone who can, you know, and sort of like trying to delegate the things that I want to do to those who will probably enjoy it just as much as I would. Smart, super important. And the Forbes thing. So talk to us about that. Yeah. Uh, it's been, honestly, it's been a dream for me. So <laughs> it was a goal. I actually started to, because I came across an, uh, Forbes 30 under 30, uh, four years ago. And I was like, Oh, wow. I see all my friends on here. Here's some family friends. Here's someone I was dating and thought about, you know, what am I doing? And I want to, I want to be on this. And I was telling my dad all about it. And it became like a little bit of a goal. Like I wanted to build something amazing, but I also wanted to be recognized for it as well. Actually, like a year ago, my dad got really sick. And before he passed, I, I told him that I made the list because it was kind of like our goal together you know, that happening made me realize that I probably need to make this happen. <laughs> I just fully lied to my dad that I made Forbes 30 under 30 last year, fabricated. But it happened. Yeah, and it did, you know, fabricated an article. And the way it happened was I reached out to a friend who is a steel who um, started a company called Go Guardian. He made education list last year. And I said, Hey, like, I'm, you know, I'd, I'd love to do this. And like, what do you think I should, what are my next steps? And he said, actually, Today, one of the editors just reached out and asked if I had anyone in mind, can I send your name? And I said, sure. So he sent my name and he nominated us. A couple other friends who had made the list last year had nominated us. Both my co-founder and I actually ended up making finalists. And the thing about Forbes is if if you make finalists, then your co-founders also make finalists, right? So we kind of had a little bit of an advantage. Um, 
And since we both made finalists and had no idea what was going to happen, I asked Forbes every day almost, the, the editor, you know, like, did we make it? Did we not? And they kept sending background check, reference checks, all these things they just want to make sure of. And ultimately, you just don't find out until the day of. So I woke up to it and it was just the best news ever. Awesome. And so that, my friends, is the power of A, being connected, B, the power of persistence as well. So what has that done for you so far? I think it's like a little soon to tell. I can tell you thus far, I can't be introduced to someone right now without them mentioning, oh, and she's first 30 under 30. But like, look, like it, I've, you know, I've gone to some dinners where that's the way I've been introduced. And then next thing I knew, I was being connected with like an important VC or, you know, someone in the education space who's really high up and doing amazing things. So as of right now, it's just been meetings and connections. But, you know, you can't ignore that you're a part of this little crew now, which is the Forbes 30 under 30 people. And they do have this private app for people who've made the list. And that in itself is super active. So I'm just excited to see like how I can collaborate with other young people who have also made this list and have similar, you know, interests and, and thoughts about education. Great. And what's one must read book you'd recommend to everyone? Must read book. I really like the book Hooked. And And that's by Nier? Yeah, I really like it. I mean, I I don't, I have to say I I do more like audio than anything because I just can't sit down and read. Perfectly fine. It counts. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So I, I started doing that and I, I just, I really like Nir. I think he's really smart, very talented and, and knows what he's talking about. And I feel the book is actually becoming a little outdated. We were just like finding new things, but it's still interesting to to watch the evolution and, and look at things that happen today and, and point back to Hook and say, oh, like that's how it all began. Or those are the types of things that you need to watch out for. These are the types of things that you need to do in order to get here. Cool. We'll drop that in the show notes. So everyone, that book is about how you can get hooked into products or how products hook you in. And final question, last but not least, this has been great. What's the best way for people to find you online? Anywhere. I mean, Instagram is great. I'm at Sophia Parsa. You know, I can give my email even. I'm happy to do that. Do it. Give it up. Yeah, it's sophiatootapp.com. It's T-O-O-T-A-P-P.com. Like I, I really enjoy getting email and, and connecting people where I can or being helpful where I can. So I'm happy to do that to any of your audience. Awesome. Sophia, this is great. Thanks so much for doing this. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and remember to take action and continue growing.